Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of the Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. The Lord bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll be looking at Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 21. If you have a Bible with you, follow along while I read. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think and if in anything you think otherwise god will reveal that also to you only let us hold true to what we have attained brothers join in imitating me and keep your eye on those who walk according to the example you have in us for many of whom i have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of christ Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him to even subject all things to himself. So where we began reading in verse 7, Paul is explaining to his readers that He doesn't want to know anything other than Jesus. Everything else that he's accumulated or gained, all the other knowledge that he has are all meaningless compared to knowing Jesus. And after he says that, he says, and the power of his resurrection. Knowing Jesus and the power of his resurrection are more important than knowing anything else. And Paul lets us know that both of those things come to us through faith. The way we know Jesus is through faith. We didn't get to meet him while he was alive on the earth, uh, carrying out his earthly ministry. But we can know Christ as well as we know other people. But it takes faith. We didn't see the resurrection, but we know that it would take a great power to raise someone from the dead. And we have access to that power, but it comes through faith. How does faith help us know Christ? Because it seems that the way most people describe faith, that would just be thinking something is true. But that's not the same as knowing a person. 
So what is Paul trying to communicate that he wants to know so desperately? Well, if you listen to our last episode, we talked about faith. And we talked about how faith is trusting God enough to do what he says. It's in the doing of the commandments, in the doing of the things that he told us to do, in following his prescriptions for the best way to get through life, that we experience Christ and we come to trust and know that he is real. It's in those experiences. We can read a lot about Christ. We can know a lot about Christ, but until we faith him, until we trust what he said enough to put it into practice, we won't know him. And as we have these experiences, we see him in them. We trust him more and more. We get closer to knowing what he wants and expects from us. We know Christ. And Paul says, I want to know that more than anything. And he adds to it the power of, of the resurrection. And that power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us in this life. And that power brings us through the trials of this life all the way until the time of our own death, and then it raises us from the dead. Paul says we can know that power. We have access to it in the here and now. Now, Paul says, I have not already been resurrected. That hasn't happened for him yet, and it hasn't happened for us because we haven't been through that physical death so that we can be raised to life. But he said the idea of it has absolutely grabbed hold of him. It has seized him. It has arrested him. He is encouraging us to to see very vividly what this idea has done to him so that we can imitate that so that we can have it grab hold of us. He says everyone who is mature should think this way about life and death. When Paul said that it had grabbed hold of him, he was saying that this knowledge of resurrection had given him focus and purpose to push through this life in an eager anticipation of the next. That's how we should be looking at this life, not figuring out how to hang on to it, not trying to figure out how to make it the best and most comfortable by our own standards. Jesus has already promised us to give us a rich, full life here if we'll follow him. What should be motivating us, though, is the fact that we don't have to stay here, right? In this particular calendar year, as we've dealt with pandemics and other uh, uh things in our society. Uh, it may not be uh, so hard to imagine a better place, but unfortunately, by and large, we live in a very prosperous country with a lot of good things going for us. And I think a lot of us hang on, want to hang on to life here, want to continue this life as long as we can, because we think that it's pretty good. And we don't always trust when God says what's coming is even better. We want to hang on to the things that Paul says are absolute rubbish rather than pressing on, being motivated by the knowledge of resurrection and that something better is on the horizon. Paul said, if you're mature, you should think this way, but if you don't, you should go to God. God is the one that reveals these things. And he describes uh, following people who follow Christ. He basically says, get in line and follow the leader. If you don't understand how significant this resurrection is, 
get in line behind people who are following the leader and, and learn the significance of it. Because he says, if we try to chart our own path, if we try to figure out how to get the most out of this life and still get God to let us into the next life, we're treading on dangerous ground. He lets us know that people who serve themselves will be disappointed. Paul says it is possible to miss out uh, on a prize that's available at resurrection if we're guilty of serving self. He mentions specifically in this uh, section of scripture uh, people who worship their own stomachs, right? And, and I think it's his way uh, of describing people who give in to their appetites and desires. And your appetite and desire may not be for food itself. It may be for uh, a big house or a nice car or a, a certain amount in your bank account. But giving in to those appetites and desires are very self-serving and don't always accomplish a gain for Jesus. We need to remember whatever controls our decision-making is our God. God is not Yahweh's name. Yahweh is the name of the God that we serve. God is a generic term for whatever we revere or worship. And many of us, while we give lip service to the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, the father of Jesus, we actually worship our own appetites and desires because we do the things we want to do rather than surrendering and doing what God's called us to do. We then make our self-God or our appetites gods. Those are the things that are driving the decision-making. If I am uh, obsessed with food and all of my decisions are made based on how do I get a certain type of food and when do I get it and what do I get to eat, and I, I, I'm, that's driving my life. If my decisions are made on how to make the most money and all of my decisions are based on how it affects my bank account, then I'm letting money be my God. But if in every case I'm following Jesus's example and doing whatever it is that God wants me to do, I can say that the father of Jesus is my God as well. We can serve ourselves by giving in to our appetites and desires, but Paul also alludes to those who are proud of things in their life that are shameful to God. That's self-serving, right? If I'm building my identity or my value based on things that God doesn't care anything about or maybe even hates, I, I really am coming to nothing. I, I'm serving myself rather than serving God because those things are shameful to God. And I serve myself when I have my mind set on things that don't last beyond the judgment. Paul basically says in, in other places that if we can see it with our eyes and touch it with our hands, it can't be that important. Those things aren't real. That's a hard concept for us to grasp because we've been trained in this life and in this society to put value on things that are tangible, things that we can hold on to. We're told those are the things that have value. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians, it's faith, hope, and love that last. And the greatest of those is love. We need to make sure that we understand what is real and what will be lasting beyond judgment. Those are the things that we need to be trying to accumulate and setting our minds on and driving our decision making. 
if we have set our minds on things that don't last, then we're serving ourselves. We've bought into a lie that those things matter more than the things of God. We follow that path and we miss out on a prize that's available at resurrection. If we can see it with our eyes, if we can touch it with our hands, it can't be that important. Now, I've said that before to people who come back with, well, what about the Bible? You can touch the Bible. Isn't that important? The contents of the Bible are very important. And God says that there comes a time when he writes those words on the hearts and minds of his people. Those people who have spent time devoted to understanding that word and have bothered to follow people who know that word have it as a part of their life. They don't have to use it as a reference book because they've come to understand what it means to love God and to love others and not need to be bound by those things. Think about it. If I truly love other people, I'm not going to steal from them. I'm not going to try to take their wife. I'm not going to lie to them. I care about them, right? And when I come to learn to love people, I have that advantage of not even needing to have a physical copy of the Bible because its precepts are in me. Others will say, uh, well, what about my family, my wife, my children? My, uh, I can touch them and see them. And But that body, that tabernacle that they dwell in now is going to be replaced. It's who they are inside that lasts forever. And, and so we need to understand the physical, the things that we can see and touch in this life are, are not important. And if we are letting those things make our decisions for us, we're serving ourselves rather than serving God. If we're not serving God, we're told we don't get to be rewarded at the judgment. Now, I know that this will create some consternation for some folks because, well, I've been saved and now I'm washed by the blood of Jesus and Jesus makes up the difference. And understand that Scripture over and over again talks about people who came to a knowledge of truth, knew what they should do, but kept serving themselves. Jesus says, not everyone that calls me Lord will enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's those who do the will of his Father. Now, I want to be very careful and make sure everyone understands I am not advocating a works-based salvation where I can do enough work to earn my place in heaven. What I'm saying is if I've devoted myself to God the way he's called me to, if I've absolutely surrendered to him, those things that we read as commands become a second nature to us because we care so much about God and the people that he put in our lives to minister to. We can look at those good deeds almost as a barometer of where we are in our relationship with God. If we find it very difficult to be helpful to other people or to worship God, there's a problem with our relationship with God, and that needs to be addressed. And we can't address it just by doing more things and, and making God think it's okay. We actually have to deal with the relationship we have to let him be the guide and the driving force in every aspect of our life. He has promised if we do that, our life will be better than it could be on our own. And we get to live with eternity for him because we've shown a desire to be with him. Paul even says here that 
this world that we live in is not even our home. It's not our community. He says our citizenship or our community is in heaven. And we are eagerly awaiting Jesus to come get us and take us home. And we're told that when that happens, our bodies will be transformed to be like his. Don't have any idea exactly what that's like when we read stories about Jesus after his resurrection. He ate food and had interaction with people, and there seemed to be a, a physical dimension to his body. But at the same time, he's appearing in locked rooms and 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 showing up in places that people weren't expecting him. So it, there seems to be something supernatural about that as well. But that idea of being raised like Jesus was and having a body like Jesus. And, and that idea had so captured Paul and his imagination that everything he was doing was an eager anticipation of Jesus coming to get him and take him home. I know that I've planted a seed that's a little challenging today. Now, we may fight with ourselves about the way to to devote ourselves to God, but not be caught up in a works-based mentality. It's been going on for 2,000 years. A lot of people have. And it comes when we separate faith from works and not understand that genuine biblical faith is trusting God enough to do what he says. It's not always easy, and we don't always get it right. But when we are living that life, we make the most of this, and we're prepared by God for eternity with him. I hope that idea grabs hold of you and it transforms the way you look at people and, and the things that you have to do and understand that if they're not a gain for Christ, it's a loss for us. Let's devote ourselves to living for Jesus. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter.